0: My name is Jason Dubray, and this is the Shelf-Shedding Movie Show. Each week, I'm going to give away one movie from my physical movie collection. Please enjoy this week's episode. 4 of the Shelf Shedding Movie Show. This week, my guest Curtis Anderson and I are going to discuss six movies that revolve around cars. Uh, it should be an interesting discussion, some very high profile films, some maybe uh, less uh, prominent movies that we'll talk about. I just want to warn you that there will be some spoilers and there may be some coarse language as we talk about uh, these six films. Anyway, I am looking very, very forward to talking about them and digging in here. Uh, I appreciate you listening. And let's start talking about car movies. All right, I am here with my guest, Curtis Anderson. How long have we known each other?
1: High school? Probably. We're just talking about mutual friends and trying to find our friendship origin and I don't know if we did.
0: And I think it was uh, my friend Jeff, who I grew up on the same street with. Jeff, uh, well,
1: you grew up in Briarwood? well no it was it was before that Lakeview Lakeview. yes not far from here
0: yeah not very far yeah Yeah. (laughs) I've lived different places in the world but here I've I've ended up you always end up a, a neighborhood or two away so
1: nostalgia's funny that way my wife is not nostalgic at all and I'm super nostalgic and we ended up living like Two blocks from where she grew up and oh, like wow. it just has no value to her. Yeah. Our son is currently going to her high school and he just there's there's no there's no currency for her. She's just like, Yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is where I went. And I'm like, This like your pictures on the wall. Like mom's graduating, pictures on the wall. And she's just like, Yeah, whatever. Well I, I have noticed that, you
0: know, at my previous high school, I'm at one of the newer ones now, so we don't have that multi generational thing quite yet. But with Aiden Bowman, there were a lot of parents who went to Bowman, and then their kids went to Bowman. Yeah, so yeah, maybe a little bit of a Saskatoon thing. I don't
1: know. It's very cool. much a Saskatoon thing, so. and there's there's some pride in there. But then you start counting the years on your fingers, and you're like, "What? How is that? Wasn't I just in high school?" No, no, we no, 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 we weren't in high school. Uh,
0: for the record, it's year 2020. We're a few days into 2020 here, so I'm not sure when uh, when well, this uh, podcast matters. is going <laughs> to drop here, but. Uh, that's a, a tough realization. Let's I guess. not date ourselves. <laughs> we're still sounding, young. We're, like, we're still like those like we're still pretty young, but we're we're sounding like old men.
1: I'm yeah. like Peter Pan. We're never gonna grow old, right? No, no. Thanks so, for having me on.
0: Well, and thank you. You were, uh, I believe, the first or second person when I came up with this idea to to contact me and said, "Yeah, I'd love to talk about movies." And um, we we settled in on uh, this theme of cars. Yes, car movies. I'm not really a car guy. Uh, Basic things I can't do to repair my car, I have to call in other people. But I I do enjoy watching movies about cars. And that was certainly the case with the six we're looking at.
1: I am not a car guy either, and you can ask my father's broken heart about that, (laughs) because he's very much a car guy. Yeah. And that was kind of the appeal when you uh, pitched the car genre idea. I was like, okay, that sounds fun. But yeah, he uh, was a mechanic. worked at SGI. just Loves cars. Tells me about all the cars. We go to car shows, and he's like, "I used to have that car till I got married and had kids, and I used to have that car till I got married and had kids, and I just kind of shrink like a Flintstone." I'm like, "Sorry, bud. <laughs> sorry, sorry. The family shattered your car dreams, well, but It's fascinating. You,
0: you can start making up for it with this uh, podcast, okay? right? Yeah. This is yeah. Uh,
1: this is redemption there's anything right that here. If you get wrong, then you're dead. I dedicate this podcast to my father. We're talking about cars, and in two minutes, he'll probably be yelling at his speakers, like, no, no that's not it. correct. But there were definitely... Uh, we'll we will get to it. There were, some, there were some father tie-ins here. Oh, is there? Okay. Yeah, so, so this might
0: be a more personal...
1: Uh, ah, some of it, for sure. So that's, definitely. That's cool. yeah, yeah. But thanks for having me on, yeah, and no, uh, I'm you. terrified. <laughs> right I've, I've always just terrified of people who just live and breathe movies and know everything about movies because I obviously love movies as well and I I don't do this from a place of like trolling honestly but I love like low budget B movie horror movies. That is 90% of my movie diet. I'm someone that's like never seen Jurassic Park. oh My my, uh, 13 year old son just went with his friends to see the last Star Wars movie, Star Wars Episode 9 and he has not seen the first 8
0: Oh really? Yeah. He went straight to that one. Oh, <laughs> straight to that. oh I kind of feel bad in a way. I don't. Well, I, I don't feel like, bad about the prequel trilogy. Yeah. We could probably, you know, even though I'm kinder to that than some other people are.
1: He was but, excited to go with his friends, and yeah. he was like, "Yeah, I'm probably not gonna. It's probably not gonna make sense." And then so I pulled up to the theater, and I was like, um, like Vader's Luke's father. You should be up to speed now." <laughs> and he <laughs> got out of the car. Lot,
0: there's a lot more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've only seen the original three from the. Like the like four, five, and six.
0: Oh, and I feel like that's how everybody should start. I don't <laughs> okay. care if you're coming to the end of yeah. this third trilogy or whatever, but yeah. we're um,
1: uh, With the daughter now, we're big Disney people. Yes. And so we've been just crushing the Disney classics, and now with Disney Plus, like, oh. I made a vow to my son. I was like, you and I are going to start. We're going to start in episode one, and we're going to mm-hmm. get you caught up. Yeah. <laughs> even though he even, knows how it ends. Even though but. we
0: are stuck with uh, George Lucas's special editions. Yeah. We don't have... The Star Wars that we saw as children is still not available. Really? Well, yeah, because you got have these of the VHS scenes with Jabba here. the Hutt in A New Hope, which was never originally in there mm-hmm. and a few other things I we could get into like see the, I know nothing about this a wormhole and of this is uh, fascinating so um, yeah Star I'm,
1: Wars nerddom here but and um, I'm, I'm someone who you know like I, I don't I I care like watching low budget movies I'm always fascinated by the struggles of low budget right yes. I'm someone who actually like watches these movies and I care more about the creation than the actual content if that makes any sense whatsoever I, if like, there's love put into
0: it Absolutely. They put and some like, love into it and they don't have bells and whistles that yeah. James Cameron has or something like that. I
1: remember uh, a couple months ago there was a, a, a clip on going around social media of like the final battle scene of what is it, Infinity, what was the last big one that made like billions of dollars in the movie theater? Oh,
0: Avengers? Avengers, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not and caught it was, up in that world. It was
1: all the actors wearing like green suits with dots on yes. against a green screen all running towards each other and everyone was sharing it and I was like you, this is, you guys like like, you guys think this is awesome? It's just so over my head that you know what I mean? Money, But it was like there's Money. no background like this is all just you're basically putting people on top of a cartoon mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that to like crap on it or be a troll but I was just like man like give me you know give me the people that have to cut holes in the floor to get the shot yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's the passion I like and uh, that's kind of what draws me back to the low budget. So I apologize in advance if you start talking like actors and directors, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> so okay. I'll try to I'll try to stay stay as it's caught like, up as possible.
0: And and doing this and being a guest on other people's podcasts, I've, I've learned that I don't know as much about movies as I think I know. Oh. Yet, <laughs> a lot of people feel that I'm. I'm like the number one expert in it, like within my mm-hmm. family and that, and that kind of thing. But well, just... for those of you
1: listening, I wish you could see this gentleman's living room. It's just stacks. <laughs> He's divided his <laughs> insane DVD and Blu-ray collection into stacks of six to do this podcast.
0: Yeah, I, I do assure you that I'm, I'm not uh, Howard Hughes over here. That I'm losing my mind, but it's,
1: it's just... Uh... <laughs> it's do you see to why I need to get rid of some of these something movies? to behold. All right. Uh, what's the... So, yes. The background to this podcast. The the spawning idea. What are we doing?
0: Yeah. So, for the specific episode or... Just in general. The, 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 the goals of the show, podcast. Show you want to is, downsize. I, I wanted to review movies that I own and, and talk about them and then create some system where I end up losing a movie. I have to sacrifice a movie at the end of each and uh, if I'm quite subjective about this so bringing in another person to talk about them because I just love talking about movies get different perspectives but the other idea that I, I, I really liked was um, then it's not just me controlling which movie leaves my movie collection there's another factor in uh, my last episode uh, I was completely blown away it was a Hitchcock movie that was part of a podcast and my guest gave it zero points Oof. at the end like zero me. to me is like the worst. And then I was just like, holy cow, you know, uh, do I need to rethink my point system here? Because
1: just wasn't a Hitchcock, a bad hit, a Hitchcock
0: movie. I, I don't care if it's lower Hitchcock. And this wasn't lower Hitchcock, but to me, it was. Is there anything unbelievable. Off limits? But that's the kind of uh, like, that's the other element in there where I can't, I don't control the whole thing. So I like giving up control that's fun. a little bit with this. Were there any
1: DVDs or just completely off the limits here? stuff that you no, like.
0: No, no, I'm, I'm just going, like you noticed some of them up, appeared in like those computer, those old disk packages. Yeah. They, they come from collections. Uh, so uh, for example, uh, we're get, well, we are might as well get into the movies that we're talking sure, about absolutely. here. Sure, um, absolutely. Our
1: car thought movies.
0: Yeah, but uh, three of these come from collections. So uh, there's a Clint Eastwood collection, which has Gran Torino, uh, Stephen King collection that has Christine, You'll notice that the disc that you had also had uh sleepwalkers, sleepwalkers on there, yeah. which isn't a car movie. But nope. <laughs> and uh, Days of Thunder was with this kind of Tom Cruise collection here. So um, so those are three. The other ones that we're looking at a uh, uh, movie called Drive, yep. uh, starring uh, Dreamy Ryan Goss. The Goss. The Goss, Canadian content there. Yeah. Um, quite an old Steven Spielberg movie. It was actually a TV movie, ABC TV movie of the week, if you can remember when they used to have those. Uh, Called Duel and uh, Quentin Tarantino's Death Proof as well. So, those are the six we're looking at here. Um, Out of those
1: six, before you handed them to me, I had seen Death Proof in the theater Mm -hmm. and I saw Christine when I was quite young. And that was it? That was it. That was it. I think so. Cool, so fresh eyes on. on Never seen Days of Thunder, never saw Drive. I uh, never saw Grand Torino. What yeah. Was the last one Duel. Never saw I think I saw the final few minutes of Duel on television. Oh once. yeah, it was, yeah. Like, it was just randomly It TV just show. I had this It was com- very familiar. I had that. this complete like flashback deja vu just how it ended. I was like, "Oh, I totally I totally was channel surfing back in the days when you channel surfed, mm-hmm. you know?" Yeah. Oh, Back yeah. when you weren't in control, like everything wasn't at your fingertips and you actually oh, just, <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. pretty easy. Through boredom, that's how you discovered new shows. Yes. You yeah. know?
0: Which could be those, days, those days are never coming back, my friend.
1: <laughs> They're never coming back.
0: <laughs> well, I'm now sufficiently depressed. Yeah. Let's get into reviewing some movies. <laughs> <All right.
1: laughs> if I drive for
0: you, you give me a time and a place, I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, and I'm yours, no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down, I don't carry a gun. I drive. <laughs>
2: So you just moved to LA?
0: No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive, for movies.
2: Isn't that dangerous?
1: It's only part time. You put this kid behind the wheel, there's nothing he can't do. Kid, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose.
0: My hands are a little dirty. So are mine. All right, we're starting off with a 2011 movie called Drive. Ryan Gosling, uh, as as we have mentioned, he's dreamy. He's yes. Canadian. Yeah, um, I'm
1: secure enough to say that as one yeah, hot yeah. man.
0: But <laughs> it took me actually quite a long time before I would sort of buy Gosling. And for a little while I, I, I bought it. And then there was this phase where he seemed like a little bit of a caricature of himself. And now I'm kind of back on board. So it, it seems kind of shaky from project to project. But Drive was the one where I was like, This guy can really, really act. He is outstanding in this movie. Uh, To me, it's a tragedy. He was not nominated for Best Actor for this. He's been nominated uh, a few times here, Uh, but for my biased opinion, lesser work. This was such a strong performance. Uh, It relies on facial expressions. It's quiet. It is patient, but it's also insanely brutal. So I'll just do a little plot sure. summary he here no, for this. Was he
1: the notebook guy? Was that what he's did? the notebook okay. guy. That okay. was his I big did break. That. Yeah. Two
0: Canadians, him and Rachel McAdams. Yep. And they were, of course, making in two and then that, they went their separate directions here. And okay. Gosling's career is taken off a bit more than McAdams the last few years there. Gosling plays a mysterious man. He has several jobs, he's a garage mechanic, uh, he's also a Hollywood stuntman. Uh, but he gets a lot of money from being a getaway driver and he's quite precise as we see in this amazing opening sequence where he's a getaway driver but he's, he's listening to this Lakers game and thinking, oh, he's just a basketball fan or something like that. But everything about what he's doing is timed towards this basketball game and when it ends and when he can find a way to make an escape and,
1: yeah. and lose the police. So he- Pulls into the arena parking lot right when the game ends, and there's suddenly thousands of people yeah, leaving. And, and yeah, there's okay, no yeah, way that, to keep track of him. And that.
0: as so clever. because me in right away. Oh, it, what a great opening to a film. Um, anyway, then uh, he, he gets kind of wrapped up in. Uh, he is a loner, but he gets wrapped up in the life of his next door neighbor, uh, played by Carrie Mulligan, who is an outstanding actor. When I saw this movie several years ago in Education. I thought this is the next Emma Thompson, and I've just been a fan ever since. Sometimes the material she has is uh, is better than other times. I think this is top notch material for her. But uh, she's a, appears to be a single mother, but she has um, a husband who's in jail, mm-hmm. and so he uh, bonds with her son, and uh, you know, they, they eventually they sort of connect there. I think he falls in love with her. It would be fair to say, but then. Uh, the husband comes back and causes all kinds of trouble. I think that's enough of a a lead in summary. Yeah. Um, so the the director of the film uh, it's kind of an interesting character, Nicholas Winding Rimp. I believe is how you pronounce his last name. I, I need to watch some more of his films. He did uh, a follow up film with Gosling. Um, I think only God forgives. Uh, he often is kind of in the independent world, festival circuit type of stuff. A very bold filmmaker, obviously heavily influenced by the 1980s in many ways. And you can see that in the costuming, the music choices throughout. And I wasn't sure if my initial reaction in the movie theater, how much I loved it, would hold up on a on multiple viewings. But revisiting Drive, I love it just as much as the first time. It is such a strong movie, and I I, I wish it had... Little bit more of a following. So, what was your take on Drive? This was a first pass of it. Right? Drive
1: was my biggest surprise out of these six movies. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, here we go. It's Ryan Gosling. You know, <laughs> let's put him in as many dreaming situations as possible. And like you said, the opening sequence is one of the strongest opening sequences I've ever seen in a movie. Nice. Just completely sucked me right in. And just his quiet demeanor made him more terrifying. Just because oh. there was that like bubbling undercurrent of just like psychopath. And it was so, so well done. And again, I don't know a lot about Ryan Gosling, but I figured like this was the movie that kind of gave him cred with like males because he's such a like known for being a dreamboat. Oh, yeah. But you watch this movie and you're like, no, this guy deserves every dollar he makes. Uh, His performance reminded me of, uh, I was a big HBO Oz fan back in like the 90s and 2000s. And the gentleman that played Alvarez... I'd listen to, like, every episode with commentary. I can't remember the actor's name, but uh, when when he Uh,
0: I have the internet in front of me, so I'm going to... We have this information
1: superhighway. See, this is, again, something I should know. Uh, He hasn't done a lot since Oz. Surprised he was on some episodes of CSI, but he was on the one that got cancelled, I think. But anyways... What was the character's name again? Uh, Alvarez. Miguel Alvarez. So he, in one of the... uh, one of the interviews with him, Kirk uh Kirk.
0: Esavito. Yes, Esposito. Yes. Yeah.
1: He was talking on one of the DVD commentaries about auditioning for the role of Alvarez, and he said he was just watching and listening to all these people go in and just scream and scream and scream and scream during the mm-hmm. audition. So he was like, "I gotta do something else." So he went in and he just did this like quiet psychopath, and they loved it. That's he was so on. He was on all eight seasons because of that. And that was kind of what uh, Gosling reminded me of, when he's sitting in the restaurant and he just like shut your mouth, like oh that gave me oh. goosebumps when he just tears a strip off that guy, but yeah. he's not raising his voice. It's just this monotone undressing. That was my, I really like that scene because that was just kind of like a reminder of what's actually going on here. You know, you're you're peppered in with a little like romance, but then you're like, oh yeah, this is not really a good person, even though we're kind of cheering him on. We're in yeah, like that, we are still we're in cheering that, him on. That antihero which is so forced these days, but mm-hmm. they were they nailed it in in Drive. They really nailed that character. The other scene I really liked was uh, where the dad came back and they have that kind of like awkward meeting in the hallway. Yes. And this is where you know most movies—they'd be yelling at each other, "Stay away from my wife!" But he's just like, "So you've uh, you've been helping out? Cool, you know." And that's that's kind of how it would play in real what? life. This is when, my
0: this is my family. Yeah, so,
1: like, he's being super passive on. aggressive, yes. which that's how you would actually have that conversation in real life instead of how most directors would probably script it, where they're yelling at each other, and you know, he probably punches the wall beside his face or something. It was just—I really liked that scene.
0: Oscar Isaac is uh, plays play Standard is the name of the father. Okay, uh, He's a big part of uh, the Star Wars, the last Star Wars trilogy. Really? Uh, some people know him from uh, Inside Lou Allen Davis, a uh, Coen Brothers film. And, uh, he, he's, he's been in a lot of stuff, uh, uh, Ex Machina uh, as well. Um, he, he's serviceable here, I'm not sure it's anywhere close to his best performance, but Gosling is so good. I want to mention another performance which just blew me away. Albert Brooks has had a career where he's known as this neurotic comedian. And he is this mafia boss. And in a similar understated way, he is absolutely frightening too. Yeah. Um, He's a level up from the guy who gives Gosling all of these jobs, played by... Brian Cranston from Breaking Mm -hmm. Bad, in a completely different type of role, kind of this sleazy, low-key guy, I think he kind of owns the the garage, uh, but he also gives him the claim to sort of take care of Gosling. Mm -hmm. Um, But this guy is using Gosling as a lot of characters in the movie are, and ultimately, through all these sets of uh, circumstances. Uh, we have this war between Albert Brooks' character and Ryan Gosling, and it is, it is handled so well, yeah. beautifully directed when the confrontation actually happens, where a lesser filmmaker would have just gone for complete and total gore. Yeah. Shadow was used yeah. quite effectively. And, and music, and beautifully edited. So uh, Albert Brooks, I... He was another one who was snubbed for an Oscar nomination for this, and I just don't understand it. I, 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 get that this is somewhat of an action movie, but it's so much more than an action movie. It's way more intelligent than that. And, and Brooks was frightening. And this is a guy who I see as being, you know, the star of a movie like Mother, where he's uh, has to go move in with his mother because he doesn't, he he can't relate to women or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he is frightening and powerful in here. It's just like this, this new gear for, for Brooks' third act of his career here.
1: What would you have done differently for the actual like front of the DVD cover, or, like the movie poster? Because <laughs> I watched this one last. Just seeing Ryan Gosling leaning against... he's leaning against a car? He's in yeah. front of a car. I, was like,
0: cool. yeah.
1: I was like, I am going to hate this movie. I watched it last because I was dreading it. Like Again, I didn't read the back or anything. I knew nothing about it. But I was like, no. here we have Ryan Gosling... Sitting on a car, it, and I was like, I, is, what, "What is he like? Is he is this is another racing movie?" I don't.
0: <laughs> yeah, i I have a little bit of a feeling like uh, again, they were going for an eighties yeah. movie poster type of no. thing, uh, and the eighties aesthetic is throughout. I don't always like the eighties aesthetic in movies, but I really liked it here. What Good. I would do differently, I, I'm I'm not quite
1: sure. The title, but like from somebody again looking on from the outside looking in. If there was the old uh, glory days of blockbuster, and I was just walking by the yeah. new releases, you I would like you'll past, you'll this past yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So perhaps in the marketing, if I'm looking carefully at this poster, though, when I'm looking, it says that one best director at the Con Film Festival. That suggests to me, might okay, be there might be this isn't Lethal Weapon Five or something here. Yeah. You know, not. Yep. I actually like Lethal Weapon movies, but I, I don't mean, know why it, that was just the first thing. <laughs> far enough. enough so. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, maybe in some of the marketing, and that's why people don't see it, or if they don't aren't fans of Gosling, I think if you aren't a fan of Ryan Gosling, check this movie out. Absolutely. If nothing else, you might not like some other movies by him. But... Again, this is
1: my thing as a, as a movie fan, and I know I'm the wrong kind of movie fan, but like... No, just not he's a wrong kind of movie <laughs> fan. fan. But just talking about like if you don't like Ryan Gosling and like I don't I I just I my brain doesn't work that way. You know, I would never really gravitate towards or away from a movie just because of like names involved. And I've just okay. always been like that and I know I'm definitely the the uh, the minority there, but
0: sometimes I gravitate towards something because of a director. Yeah. Um, sometimes an actor, but mostly a director.
1: I always just go in cold turkey I'm like 100% based on like the, the movie poster basically
0: <laughs> I mean, it sounds like we like this movie a lot high recommendation uh, I would say if if you have an aversion to violence this may not be it, it doesn't happen very often but when it does it is it, it is extremely violent but it might be more psychological
1: the way you just described it right now makes me compare it to last year's Joker yes very similar Which vibe. I'm a big fan of that. Yeah, and, and again, did, it was and psychological, psychological and then all of a sudden the violence just explodes for like two minutes, and the, then they move on.
0: The other one I like to mention in connection with Joker, but we could mention here is Taxi Driver. Yep, uh, definitely. Uh, Scorsese's Taxi Driver. So. Yeah, so uh, I think it's a big, big, big thumbs up for a Drive. Absolutely. To the right person here about this since you said you don't gravitate towards movies because of a specific person and that's uh, not by design I'm not doing that on
1: purpose like just, as this weird troll thing I just that's just the way my brain works is. It's just how it works I've seen so many terrible movies that had great cover art mm-hmm. and vice versa I've seen yeah. so many great movies with terrible cover art the, the
0: marketing seems to be the thing <laughs> yeah so there's this little known filmmaker named Steven Spielberg yeah, I've heard of him you have actually heard, I've him? heard of him yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good yeah. thing but Spielberg, people will often say he is uh, the greatest, or definitely one of the greatest mm-hmm. filmmakers of all time. I don't know why I hesitate a little bit with that. Interesting. Like the the Spielberg movies I'm supposed to love, according to they they tell yeah. me, um, are not always the ones that I love, and the ones that Spielberg is slightly let are slightly less successful. All of his movies are successful one way or or another mm-hmm. are the ones that I tend to really enjoy.
1: Okay, get me caught up. Give so, me some lists.
0: Uh, Minority Report, for example, I think is one of the best science fiction movies of all time. Uh, I really in- enjoy that. Uh, Munich, Munich is uh, cold, cold Steven Spielberg film. <clears throat> the and idea his is mainstream I, ones, I, but obviously. The post a couple of years ago, I liked uh, I liked what he did with the post. Um, there were a few things with the writing I was a little bit critical of. Movies like that, Um, Schindler's List is a fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. I I will not say anything against it, but there are movies I I I prefer. About that subject, Schindler's List, Uh, Jurassic Park I've grown to appreciate. I did not like it when it first came out. Mm. Um, I enjoy E. T. People criticize it now for being really sentimental. Jaws, which is I'm going to make some people mad here, I I enjoy Jaws but I, I'm i not willing to call it the greatest horror movie of all time. It started the soft summer blockbuster idea. It was influential, so a lot of the stuff Spielberg did. I, I like his Indiana Jones movies. Can we do
1: 30 seconds on Jaws? Is it a horror movie? I went through its big horror movie it's binge. a creature feature perhaps? Years ago, and I was shocked that it's like a PG movie. Yeah. It's rated like PG.
0: Well, at that time they didn't have a PG-13 in the, okay. in the States. They had PG or R. Or X, yeah, and G, of course, for family. It certainly was, wasn't a family movie. Yeah, I don't think it was, and it was. Maybe because of swearing or something like that, or nudity, uh, which it doesn't have. Yeah, it got it was put in the PG category. But yeah, it's, yeah, I gotta
1: say it wasn't a fan when I rewatched it as an adult. Mm. I remember being scared of it as a kid, but like I, I appreciate it.
0: I, I really appreciate yeah. it, and it was it was a pioneering film. But I don't get as excited about it as I do some other. Spielberg films. Right. So, Sorry, continue. Uh, anyway, other other famous movies. I really love, it was introduced to me many, many years ago, this movie called Duel, which was before Spielberg, was Spielberg? became Spielberg. Okay. He explains how Jaws wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for Duel. Really, It was an ABC movie of the week, which is really interesting that it, it is way better than it has any right to be. and because of Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he sort of compared this well I'll give you the plot first and then we'll uh, talk about that this man is for business is having to travel uh, Southern California to Northern California and he gets into a little bit of a road rage situation with this this truck driver. And this truck driver, and there is a driver there where you never really see the driver, Stalks this man and psychologically tortures him for uh, a really really long ninety minutes. Right, mm-hmm. it's um, not long and like exciting ninety minutes, um, and it's it's a really unique uh, film. And Spielberg said that kind of the grill of uh, the truck was the kind of like jaws, like the the teeth of of uh, of the shark in yep. Jaws. Uh, led him in that direction. So that's fascinating. So he he certainly has a way with suspense. I, I've, I've never seen Spielberg go like full out horror unless it is has to do with the Holocaust or World War Two. Yeah. Uh, the opening sequence of Saving Private Ryan and sequences in Schindler's List are way more horrifying than anything in Jaws or uh, Jurassic Park or even in Duel, which some people might get mad at me about uh, the horror found, but. I am just so fascinated by this movie, and it, it holds up on multiple viewings. This was your first go, other than maybe you. I had a flashback of
1: seeing the final like five minutes of it, and I must have been really young. Uh, my main job right now, I'm a freelance photographer, like or videographer. Sorry, I guess. So I shoot a lot of sports, and you know, shoot some uh, home business stuff for local people. So like that's my background. Is I'm a like I'm a shooter. I have a video camera on my shoulder more days than not. So as someone who's always looking for creative angles and trying to make something that isn't that interesting interesting on a visual medium, this movie was a huge win for me. I appreciated this on so many levels. How many different shots of a truck chasing a car can you get? A lot, apparently. A whole movie's worth is the answer when it comes to this. So I really appreciated that. Just constant cuts, constant angles, suspense. Just they're... He's making so much out of so little, and it's just, that this is what I hoped my movie from instruments of evil would be like, because I kind of had the same approach of trying to just have angles and make something out of nothing, and compared to this, obviously, I failed horribly, but uh, yeah, you're just, your heart's pounding this entire movie, and it's a truck chase in a car. It
0: is, and I think he shot in some ridiculous, like, six, seven days. Yeah. Like, it was a, a quick shoot, because yeah. it was a movie a week They he yeah. had to Yep. had to get this going and it had to be done cheap. And to make something that's this cinematic that was, you know, it's it's not like now with HBO and where we have television, which in many cases is better than what's in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's quite unusual. Dennis Weaver uh, plays uh, David Mann, uh, yep. who is the... Really the, the victim. big character. Uh, and, and, and Weaver is, is excellent in here as we start to follow his, his paranoia. Mm-hmm. I think the first time I saw it, the only thing I got a little bit distracted with was uh, the voiceover narration. But that comes from the source material. Uh, source material is a, a short story by Richard Matheson, okay. who also wrote the screenplay for this. Um, now watching it, I, I think the voiceover, which was kind of a, a technique that was used a lot in 71 when this came out. Yeah. Uh, late 60s, early 70s. This that old. Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, interesting. It... Um, it worked really well for starting to create the paranoia. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where where uh, where David Mann is s- starts speeding up so fast he crashes into a fence in this town. Then he needs he goes into this small town diner. Yeah, and he starts to see all of these uh, truck driver his looking people, suspects. and he's trying to figure out who these people are, and they're all kind of looking at him, and we're kind of in his his head, yeah. but he himself looks. This wild! Family. imagine you know, across the street, you see somebody like, almost smash into a fence, walk in, and is acting really dramatic. So yep. the reason they're looking at him is because he's just out of control. But we, we know somewhere in that restaurant is this driver.
1: That's trying to kill him.
0: Well, never... I, I keep trying... <laughs> and when I watch this more and more, I try to figure out, who is it? Who yeah. is it? And it's a mystery that's never going to be solved. Because the, the genius part of this film, unlike some other movies which are... somewhat similar in nature is we we don't get to see our villain the villain is is this truck
1: yep and a hand that comes out of the window once in a while yeah
0: and like like early on the reason he he passes this truck is because it's going too slow yeah but then it speeds up and catches up to him and passes him again yeah and this cat mouse game starts happening and there's one one point where uh the driver uh says oh go ahead you can pass me and there's an oncoming vehicle like yeah. This truck driver wants to kill this man because of a slight road rage. Road rage yeah. incident here. And that's
1: completely relatable. Not that you want to kill people when but, they, when they slight you, but you know what I mean? Like
0: But I think in the early seventies people were a lot more patient and respectful on yeah. on the roadways than they are now. Um but
1: that being said, this is still so relevant. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, it is.
0: And yeah, I, I just say it, it works from beginning to end. It has the independent spirit that you're talking yep. about um, so this isn't uh, <clears throat> big budget uh, special effects Spielberg but the special effect to me it's one of the great special effects of his career is that in a very short window of time with no budget he creates a movie that I, I would argue is as suspenseful if not more suspenseful than Jaws or Jurassic Park
1: definitely uh, and again it's all just creative shooting it's all different angles basically telling the same story over and over, but making it, keeping it fresh. Mm-hmm. And big fan of that. Big yeah. props to that. It's funny you mention that, uh, the scene in the diner, because that's really the only part that doesn't happen on the road. And it's so impactful It is for such a, you, you try to explain it to someone, you're like, okay, so he's just like walking around the diner trying to figure out who's the truck driver, mm-hmm. but it's so tense, and it's so awkward it and it uncomfortable. It is, very much. And yeah, it's just, it was win-win-win across the board from Well, and movie. Weaver's
0: voice, this point where his voice gets kind of high as he gets more anxious about what's going on and that works really well. So when he's talking to the server or talking to anybody, you know, he just sounds like you're not coming across as a sane person. Like you mm-hmm. need to tone it down a little bit and figure this out. You know, you're not thinking rationally right now. There's another, and it's a break from the, the road having having that sequence. There's another section with school children. The school bus, which yep. is broken down, which is quite scary and yes. effective. And then, and then the man's like really worried, like, "What is this truck driver gonna do to these school children?" Yeah. But then he comes across as a complete lunatic. Like he's not gonna help. Yeah. These the, kids. The truck driver out. turns uh, out to be the uh, hero and so in that. <laughs> the lesson, truck driver's a yeah. hero to to everybody else, but he's obviously a psychopathic. And yep.
1: And even when he finally decides, it's that one guy eating a sandwich. And kind of calls him out. Yeah, that's so deliciously awkward. Oh, you And you're still, as a viewer, you're like, you know, even the way, even though it plays out the way it did, could have been the guy. You don't know. You know, he could just be acting like it, well, it it's not have, him. It might have been. That yeah. would have been brilliant. Yeah,
0: would have been brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, it's still a, a mystery I'd like to solve. Um, we we've been very generous with the first two movies. We yeah. Probably do some criticism <laughs> here. I guess if I was to criticism's
1: be, coming. We yeah, got four more if, movies.
0: If I, yeah, we do. Uh, if I was to be critical of this movie that I I really, really love, I might say it goes to a predictable ending. You know, it, but I don't know where, how else this could have ended, but we, it's executed beautifully, but we do have an explosion, and we do yeah. have yeah. That, that kind of action movie thing. It, it doesn't bother me too much, but with something that was this inventive, I wonder now if a remake was done. I'm not a big fan of remakes, to be honest. But remake was done, if you come up with a, a slightly more interesting ending for it. I don't think the ending bothered you based on your facial
1: expression. No, I'm just... How I would have ended it. And I'm going to tell you a quick story that makes me sound like a complete jerk. And this is when I was like a teenager. So, I was driving home one night. And uh, I can't remember. It may, may, may have been on Primrose. But there was a car coming... To pass me, like it was a two lane street, and there was a car coming up, it was probably like one in the morning, and he was, must have been doing like 80 and like you know, the 50 zone. He was just, he was about to blow right by me, and I don't know why that just kind of irked me. So I waited until like he was almost right at my bumper, then I signaled like I was gonna move into his lane, and he just kind of slammed on the brakes, and I was like, whatever, jerk. And then he pulled up beside me, and it was like three dudes in a car, and they were like flipping me off, and I was like, I've made a horrible mistake. And they followed me like all across Mm -hmm. town. And I was so scared, but I remember I was just speeding. There were times I was doing like ninety and I was like, please, please pull me over cops. Please pull me over cops. Please, I'll do the lesser of the two evils. Yes. I would rather get a ticket and have these guys leave than eventually run out of gas and get beat up, which I probably deserve for doing that for absolutely no reason. Uh, so I was wondering if that would be how it ended. Where if it's just like the final scene is them just like you know, doing 120, 130, 140, just like the guy's on his bumper and they're speeding, 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 and then the cop pulls one of them over. And either he is so happy to get pulled over and get like a, you know, $900 speeding ticket for going, you know, and then the the semi just goes by and continues on his way, or else the semi gets pulled over and he's, you know, breaking bad, laughing in his rearview mirrors, he drives away like a lunatic. I thought that may have been a, a more true ending because everything was so vague. And now it's like okay. Now that rolled and exploded. And to,
0: to be honest, I feel like that truck driver would kill the police officer. Fair enough. And, and then keep on. Yeah. Playing the game. I, I think just the genius of it is that we don't know who the driver is. We mm-hmm. never see the face. We, we we think we do, but we we never completely see the face. And it's quite understated, but beautifully directed by Spielberg. And uh, please, if you have not seen Duel, do it. Check it out.
2: <laughs> come here, girl. Stop! Let go! What you looking at, old man?
1: Ever knows how you come across somebody once in a while you, you shouldn't have messed with? That's me. Are you crazy, man. Get out of here, man.
0: Dad, you worked hard your whole life. Maybe it's time you started thinking about taking it easier. These places are
1: nothing like what you'd think they'd be. They're great. Kicking us out on his birthday. I told you this was a bad idea. What the hell these Chinese have to move in this they wrote for? (sighs) Dorothy mentioned specifically that it was her desire for you to go to confession.
2: And I confess that I have no desire to confess to a boy that's just out of the seminary.
0: Eastwood. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah,
1: he's, kind of a he's big been around girl. for a
0: while. So kind of like uh, Spielberg in a way. His journey was uh, a little bit different than Spielberg's. Uh, he became uh, a movie star first. Uh, through he was a television actor and then uh, spaghetti westerns. <laughs> did some westerns. Yeah, and uh, then he was known as the western guy or Dirty Harry yep. for many years. But along the way, he collected information from directors he would work with a a lot, and he decided to start directing. And it was even early 70s. Some people think that he started directing with the movie Unforgiven that he won an Oscar for, Mm -hmm. but he'd been directing for 20 years before Unforgiven. And suddenly, it seemed like the 90s onward, they recognized, well, this guy is a really solid director, as well as... A terrific movie star personality. His, his acting, sometimes some people think, well, Clint Eastwood is always going to be Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, can't avoid that. Uh, some of his performances I like better than others. And, you know, he's, he's nearly 90 years old now, and he's still making close to a movie a year, sometimes two movies a year. 2008, he released two movies, a movie called Changeling with uh, a- a- Angelina Jolie based on a true story of this woman whose child was kidnapped and they bring in this other child and said, no, this is your child, we found your child, and she knows this is not her child and cannot convince anybody that this is not her child. It's a really bizarre story. Uh, that came out the same year as Gran Torino. Changeling. other than Angelina Jolie, got an Oscar nomination for Best Actress, uh, but it didn't do quite as well in the box office. But it, about two months later, Gran Torino comes up. Makes millions of dollars. Stars Clint Eastwood as uh, a grumpy old man living in this uh, ethnically diverse neighborhood, which I'd was once a uh, uh, once was a pretty white neighborhood. Yep. I get that impression? And there are some uh, some gangs, and then and he's just lost his wife mm-hmm. and his family. Uh, doesn't really listen or understand him Mm -hmm. that well. And I think they kind of want to almost put him in a home type of thing, get him out of his house. And next door is uh, an Asian family. And one night uh, as a potential gang initiation, the son next door breaks in and is going to try to steal uh, Eastwood's brand Torino. And um, then the kid gets caught in the is horrified, lessons. and they send him over to that he has to work off. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Eastwood does not want to have anything to do with these people; as wants to have nothing to do with the boy. Mm-hmm. But as happens in Hollywood, uh, eventually he starts to warm up yeah. to this uh, family, the, the older daughter as well, and, and the boy, and, and and that's the basic idea of it. I I kind of labeled it uh, "Dirty Harry Retires." So Jardy Harry is such a racist character. Yeah. And um, this this character, um, I'll get his name here, Walt Kowalski, Kowalski is as racist as they come. Some might argue an equal opportunity racist, because there there seems to be a derogatory term for every single ethnic group in this film. But we're supposed to find this cute and charming and amusing, and I, I never have. Mm-hmm. And this was the first. First time in a long time when I was watching it as, with Eastwood as a director, where I saw a little bit of a flaw in how he does things. He only really does about two takes. Mm-hmm. Actors enjoy working with him because it's they aren't tortured by doing 25 yep. or, you know, like, know say, about like Hugh that 120 yep. takes. Yep. Um, and, and he works quite efficiently. He always makes Warner Brothers money, so they will constantly give him more money to make movies because even if it's uh, not as successful as some of the other ones, he's always coming in under budget. Yep. And he just doesn't like to waste time. He, he himself as an actor wasn't that patient for having to do all these setups. It's
1: fascinating. And this so, stuff I don't know.
0: But I would, I would notice there's this one part where there's some danger that this boy is gonna be targeted by this, this gang that his cousin's involved yeah. with. Yeah. They drive by the house and we see Eastwood like staring off intimidating them and we hear uh we say that the kid doesn't stand a chance but his mouth isn't moving <laughs> and, and it's just this really bad t- take and then you know, and a movie a few years later, American Sniper was kind of infamous for having this fake baby that you could tell it was a fake baby because Eastwood didn't have the patience because the baby that they had was too fussy. So they said, "Well, we'll get a new baby for tomorrow." No, let's just use a doll. Nobody's gonna know the difference. So these, these these little flaws in here that to me add up a little bit, but it's still an interesting action movie. I think there's there's something to it, but I, I I'm much prefer other Eastwood acted and directed films over Gran Torino. But this is definitely about a car. The backstory is, uh, it's in Michigan. Walt used to work for the Ford Motor Company, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's seen a lot of the cars are being moved overseas, if that sounds kind of familiar, as far as uh, not trusting immigrants and kind of the philosophy that got a certain person elected as president. And so I just have trouble getting behind this character. Like, I like him more than his family. His family are a bunch of jerks. (laughs) Yeah. But am I supposed to find this racist old man charming or not, you know? Anyways, I'll, I'll let you talk. What is your take on Gran Torino?
1: First of all, during your introduction when you explained The Changeling to me, I really wish The Changeling had a car and I could have watched that one instead because that sounds like an amazing movie. Check it out. It's going to be
0: part of a, one of the podcasts in the future.
1: Going back to my original low-budget horror loves, there's a Canadian horror movie called The Changeling which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Ghost story, the ball that keeps bouncing down the stairs in this house. Yeah. I completely recommend yeah. that. But we'll talk not about the changeling or his changeling. We'll talk it, about it, Grant. It, it, his too. changeling is just called changeling, it's not, not the changeling. Okay. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. I, I again, not familiar with a lot of his work, like directing, and just the way you describe it. There's something frustrating about being that comfortable with your level of cinematic output that you just don't have to care about stuff like that like let's just get a doll i'm gonna make money no matter what well but i'm not sure that's his attitude <laughs> I, 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 but there's also
0: something. I think it's the studio's attitude okay i'm not sure it's his attitude he, he picks out stories that he cares about even in his late 80s to a greater or lesser degree i think i mean uh last year he had he, he released two movies um one was just aw- absolutely awful uh, but about these heroes on this uh, terrorist plot on a Paris train, and he used the actual people who, non-actors, to anchor his film, mm-hmm. and it was just terrible. It was the worst thing Clint Eastwood has ever done, including okay. including the movies where he sings with a monkey, you know, uh, or was it a monkey or whatever it was in the, uh, <laughs> uh, and then he had this movie which starred himself as this 90-year-old drug mule, the mule, mm-hmm. um, which was passable. It's not great anymore. He he does care about telling real stories mm-hmm. right now. Changeling was a, a true story. Gran Torino was not a true story, mm-hmm. but it covered some issues he wanted to talk about. I think he cares about the filmmaking. He just doesn't see any reason to, to go spend, that deep into the details. Uh, six months making a film and
1: yeah, and I could see the divide though. Time, so. You know, as young directors, I'm sure they probably would take a million. Uh, takes and use a real baby, whereas he's probably at a place where he's just like, ass ah, is fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you like know? This, as long as we get the story out, that's. This movie that's a
1: was a bit of a miss for me. Mm-hmm. It, uh, you know, it was almost like you're watching the industry almost pass him by a little. Like, it's still a little. It's shot pretty dramatic for how new it is and. I feel like his stereotypes are a little more stereotypy than they needed to be. Yeah. It's kind of inconsistent, you know, he doesn't want to help this girl, he doesn't want to help this girl, then just suddenly he wants to help her. It's just mm-hmm. like, okay, this is your third strike I guess, so now I'm gonna care. Yeah. and
0: they, well they keep going at him but
1: And but like he, he saves her from like the gang on the street that one day. This was the first movie I watched, and again I apologize that it took me like four months to power through all these movies. <laughs> awesome. So this one might be oh, the fuzziest. Yeah. And it, having two kids too, it was really an eye opening, an eye opener for me of how limited I actually have the opportunity to like sit in front of a TV with no kids around and actually watch movies that aren't just G rated. Yes. So obviously this was not a movie I didn't watch my toddler, or really my like. 11 or 12-year-old to see. So
0: a bit violent in places. Yeah, so. and
1: just the, the language and the content.
0: Yeah, a lot more language. Uh.
1: So I probably watched this one three years ago, so might have, or three months ago, so i might have <laughs> to hold my hand a little bit. But yeah, he kind of ignored the, like, not danger, but just, like, the the, like, situations they were in until that one part they were walking home and the gang was harassing this girl and then he stepped in. Mm. But I was like, okay, what made this different than, like, the other times he could have helped? I don't know. Uh, so I felt it was kind of a little inconsistent there, and the part that really kind of stuck out stuck out for me is like, okay, was when he finally gets invited into the house, and it's like all the family, extended mm-hmm. family, and he's still like freely using these racist terms. I'm like, okay, hey, oh, th- yeah. racists are kind of cowards, i found, mm-hmm. you know, and even in that scenario where you've put your, you know, your flag in the sand, you don't like these minorities, to actually go into, to be invited to their house and spew those terms openly, like, I, you know, he probably would have toned it down a little bit, even if he's the hardcore racist that he's meant to be, I just don't think people really act like that, you know, he probably would have laughed and told all his friends, but like, to actually go into someone's house and be that standoffish yeah. and offensive, this seems a little top. I, I
0: feel like the whole thing with that is Eastwood is not a fan of political correctness mm-hmm. So I think he just enjoyed this idea of okay I, I'm Clint Eastwood an audience is going to side with me and so let's let's have this guy who is just uninhibited but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you that, that part is just so problematic. Also he, he's had this theme throughout some movies where it's it's a he, he will play the character often himself where there's this internal struggle with uh, morality and the church in heaven and hell. Yep. Um, and so priests will often show up in in his films. Uh, I'm thinking of Million Dollar Baby, which is a much, much better film mm-hmm. here. Here we have this really young-looking priest who is trying to connect with him after his wife has died, and he, he keeps uh, pushing, pushing him away. the priest away. This time I... I think I got a little bit behind more of that that struggle, yeah, and we but we do see at points in his films where the church doesn't have an answer to some of the moral dilemmas mm-hmm. that he's in um, he gives this priest a little bit more of a character for sure in there what is interesting though about it and maybe a little bit self-serving is. Uh, towards the end, Walt becomes a Christ figure.
1: Yeah, you know, oh completely. And, like,
0: we'll spoilers here a little bit, but he <laughs> has to sacrifice himself for the freedom yeah. of other people, and he manages to get after, them all in jail. You know, <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> all of them, and in a very clever way. I mean, we think it's going to be one thing, and it's it's another thing. So, yeah. so I don't want to dismiss it as being all all bad, but I, I just have some some qualms about supporting this particular character. Yep. And I think there were just a couple of glitches in Eastwood's direction. I think I maybe like the movie a bit more than you do. Yeah. A bit more.
1: I was pretty critical of this movie.
0: And I, rightly so. I mean, <laughs> I, I this is when I was doing way too many notes. I was, Fair enough. See, I'm running a podcast. I need yeah. to know everything about this. I wrote so many notes, and most of them were negative as I was going along and revisiting this movie. So it's it's maybe not going to be my favorite of our group of six here, but I I don't think it's uh, unwatchable. I don't think I think there's some interesting ideas in here, but I also this is where I started to see that Eastwood had moved into his 80s and things were moving mm-hmm. kind of going into a a slightly different direction.
1: It may, I may have overhyped it in my head as well. My dad's a big Eastwood fan mm-hmm. so I ha- I went into this movie being like okay like, this is Clint Eastwood this is Clint Eastwood's outing right like this is gonna be yeah. this is gonna be good and I was just like ooh this is it's like he just sat down and wrote the script and didn't actually talk to anybody who was actually in a gang or anything. You know it's a very like kind of old person view on how what a gang acts like and you know
0: now, in fairness, he didn't write the screenplay. Oh, okay. No, no, it's a uh, uh, Nick Shink is this uh, screenplay writer. It was. Oh, I thought a story this was by, his project. Okay. A story by David uh, Johansson and Nick Shink, uh, but somebody along the way pitched it to Warner Brothers or pitched it to Eastwood. Eastwood was looking at different projects, and there must have been something that it okay, attracted so his he- attention. So he will he will produce the movies but he, he doesn't he does he doesn't write movies that's yeah, okay. not in his skill set so I thought that was okay I so so thought he, he had he, more he, he, of a so more hand in he had a lot of control i think any changes that were would have been made to the original script he would have had a lot of input in okay, particularly yeah. taking on the acting role he i'm sure he on set write. But no, he didn't write it. No. He doesn't
1: write at all. Wow. No, he I write. was way off on that. I thought he was way more hands-on in this. Okay, well, whoever... He's
0: hands-on, but he but he just, as far as the screenplay writing and the... Uh, he stays the, out of the, that. The screen story writing, he doesn't do okay. that. People have to bring that to him, and then he agrees to take on the project, produce it, direct it, sometimes act in it.
1: I... Not. Remember hearing this fascinating story about the history of like Scooby-Doo and they were in whatever year that was They were worried about like the violent cartoons And so this group sat down and made a cartoon that was not violent, but still like interesting and slightly scary and everybody looks at those like iconic Scooby-Doo characters and Assumes they were based off of like people but in reality it was just a bunch of like old men in an office that had no ties to teenagers whatsoever. They just assumed this is the teenage stereotypes of the time. And th- that was kind of the vibe I got with this movie, where okay. they're just like, all right, we're going to write, here- here's what a gang is like, you know? Yeah. And at the end, when he magically gets every single member of this particular corner of the gang in jail, it's like, well, that's it. Brush the hands together. Like There couldn't possibly be more, like, uh, you know, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, Divisions of this gang that would want to seek no. revenge or anything. It no. was just like this gang was six people that lived in one house together, yeah. and that's it. And no, they're way, all going to move into this neighborhood yeah. as soon as the other one leaves. Yeah, that so. was the gang. No, know? it's
0: a very two dimensional view of the gangs, and they're just blanket villains. Yeah. Yes. There, yeah. there, there's no real. Uh, if you're wanting to look at a movie about gang life, it. I mean, I just don't think you're looking at a Clint Eastwood movie, to be honest, he (laughs) understands the other, this other perspective, but yeah, it's it's an interesting one, and I know people who absolutely love this movie, so I don't want to break people's hearts with this, but to me it's uh, a mixed to slightly positive, but it's, I hesitate, Mm -hmm. I really hesitate, I think it's thumbs down for you. It's a thumbs down for me,
1: again, I guess watching it 10 years after the fact. We may have, is it was it 2009 you said 2007? 2008. 2008. So, yeah, we're 12 years away now. Maybe at the time, I don't know, I'm trying to put myself back there. We hadn't really pushed into like residential gang cinema and re- like mm-hmm. realistic portrayal, but 12 years later, and actually, you know, this is an issue, and there's is an issue in our city right now, of course, and like just mm-hmm. seeing how gangs actually like spread and uh, I mean the belonging piece is in there.
0: Yeah. You know, reason yeah. people choose gangs is so that they belong and mm-hmm. connecting with uh, men. Yep. If there's isn't a father figure and so for this boy who's you know kinda lost a little bit. Yep. That part that computes. Part comes that part yep. makes sense. Yeah. But they they just don't really get that deep in beyond oh yeah. he's recruited and maybe failed that's- gang initiation and then he's really this good kid and he just needs somebody to look out for him.
1: See, when you say it aloud it sounds like it's a pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but there's something there's something that's I'm lost to the Yeah. a little bit but at,
0: at the same time I yeah it's not it's not that deep a portrayal. Yeah. It's a better look at yeah. the internal life of a a man who's seen his entire world yeah. change. He's lost his wife who's been married to for a long time. He He doesn't have a relationship with his family. His neighborhood is totally different. He's living in a world He doesn't recognize his his career is now being shipped off to other countries Mm -hmm. The only thing he can hang on to is his property his land and his prized Gran Torino and he's going to Stand there and defend that with no matter who he has to trample over so he understands that character but I I'm not sure that he necessarily understands all of the other pieces in
1: there. See again, you say it aloud, and it sounds like it's really going to be good. <laughs>
0: it may well, and it's not really. But who cares if it makes money or not? It mm-hmm. made a ton of money. Yeah. It was one of Eastwood's biggest money makers in his career, and and that's just really interesting to me. Is
1: so? Do you think it aged well? Like, is it? A, I is it a right now, or? I
0: don't think it would. I I think it would be condemned like there's already with Richard Jewell which I haven't seen yet Eastwood's latest movie about uh, the guy who stopped the Atlanta bombing during the Olympics Uh, there's there's been some criticism of the portrayal of uh, this female reporter apparently there's you know I don't want to get on too much of a tangent about this but how how this real woman who is apparently no longer alive is portrayed in the screenplay in the movie and so there's I think there's some things with Eastwood, is just releasing stuff that he wants to release, and he has the, the go ahead to do that for mm-hmm. the rest of his life. But uh, things have changed in Hollywood. Yeah. Big time. I'm not sure Warner Brothers might still release Gran Torino today, but they might try to put it more into a time frame, not like a, a December Oscar consideration yeah. type of a, a place. And that's I think fair. This was.
1: That was, I mean, I was definitely watching this for the first time through 2019 Eyes, and like you said, it would be problematic if it came out now. I wish
0: they'd pushed a little bit more for Changeling. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, They kind of gave up on Changeling other than promoting Angelina Jolie, and uh, I, I think it's a much better film than Gran Torino. Totally different, though.
2: Sonny, you ever owned a car before? No. I just got my license. Charter up. Her name's Christine. I like that. I saw you guys at the football game. How'd ah, you ever get that car fixed up like that? I don't to that. Plain old-fashioned hard work, huh? Ever since he bought that car, he's been obsessed with it. And you know what else? They told us the man who owned that car last died in it. What do you know about that car? I know that the guy who owned the car before, Arnie, his daughter choked to death in Christine. It's
0: that car. I swear it's the car. I mentioned it before. I'm an enormous... Stephen King fan.
1: As he should be. As I should be, yeah. yeah.
0: And I really, really like John Carpenter. I'm not sure I'm as much of a fanboy of John Carpenter as, as some people are, but as I get older I really appreciate the work he did, particularly in the 70s and the 80s. So Christine was in the middle of like in the 1980s uh, film mania for Stephen King. Stephen King adaptations made a lot of money at the box office and then you have john carpenter like the director of halloween buys the rights to to this novel christine i christine i don't think is as prominent a novel in stephen king's canon as say it Mm -hmm. or uh cemetery or those kinds of things but and to the point where john carpenter that's how much power he has you can call it john carpenter's christine not stephen king's christine or something like that And it's essentially about this uh, bullied, nerdy boy in high school who sees this just destroyed automobile, falls in love with it, and it seems like after he buys it, magically this car gets restored. Mm -hmm. And uh, and people who kind of do uh, things wrong to the car or or interfere with the boy's life and uh, he's uh, named uh, Arnie? Arnie Cunningham Arnie. bad things happen to them, and we somewhat discover that uh the car who who is named Christine is responsible for this and is uh in, in kind of a a jealous girlfriend mm-hmm. and is portrayed a little bit more so I think in the novel than in uh in the film that uh, Christine is very very jealous of anybody who is going to interfere with the uh, her relationship with Arnie, and including uh, this uh, girl that uh, uh, that he dates during his senior year of high school, and then thrown in there, he he has a, a friend named Dennis who uh, is quite concerned. Dennis is a little bit more balanced; he defends himself against these bullies. Mm-hmm. He's a football star, but he has a lot of stuff that happens, including getting severely injured in a football game. And he starts to see his friend, his best friend, really, totally change because of this car. Mm-hmm. That's the whole setup uh, for John Carpenter's Christine. I'm a bit mixed on it, to be honest. Okay. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I came to it quite late. I, I, and I also came to the novel quite late as well. Um, I love the novel. I think it's actually an underappreciated work. The movie I really enjoyed the first time I saw it, even though I was doing that thing where I was like, "Well, why did they change that? Why did they change that?" There's, it is to me quite different, um, quite different than the novel in many ways, and I'm not sure always for the best. As I've had a little bit of time away from it, I'm not sure I like it as much as I initially liked it. It's still worth watching if you are a horror fan, if you are a Stephen King fan, as I am. Um, I do think if you come to, if you read the novel first, you're going to prefer the novel over the film. But I could be wrong. What's uh, are, are you I a have, Stephen King fan? I have
1: not read the novel. I'm not a decent Stephen King fan. Mm-hmm. This is my dad's favorite movie of all time.
0: Oh, of all time. Oh, okay. Yeah.
1: So I was like excited, but also kind of nervous because, as we all know, some of this 80's stuff does not hold up. And I have not seen this movie in probably twenty years. Yeah. So. I was very nervous that I was going to watch this and see all the flaws you see it in a lot of these 80s movies now, you know, 30 years later or whatever. And this movie really surprised me. I loved this movie. You love it, and okay. I'm not saying that just as, like, some sort of signal to my father. This movie just exceeded all my expectations. I, I, don't know, I don't know. I mean, again, you know, I love the B movie, The Old Horror, and this just, from, like, start to finish, it had me every scene I felt like there was no wasted time mm-hmm. his slow descent into madness was was done well uh just the shots of like the car repairing itself for it,
0: that's amazing and, right know, just, yeah not digital filmmaking no, so this is I have to hand it to carpenter for that you
1: know so this is completely in my wheelhouse this is yeah. you know yeah. this is creative shots and storytelling and not using CGI mm-hmm. and not taking the shortcuts that you know this wouldn't even be a thing today yeah. they could. You know, like, you know how it ends where the, you know, spoiler, the car's crushed into a block. Like, someone could sit down and have it just repair itself from that using CGI today in, like, you know, a couple days and no one would think anything of it. But just the creative shots they used. I thought the acting was good. I thought the pacing was good. I loved the old guy that sold the car and mm-hmm. all the foreshadowing. The music, you know, you have the old, the old uh, 50s and 60s songs. Which was consistent from... And from then Apollo. even the, like, synth. The dready synth was great. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Carpenter's uh, Yeah, style. Yeah, like, for it's, sure. Produces music. So, yeah, I, I hit play and initially started cringing, and it just, it was an absolute home run for me. Really enjoyed this movie.
0: Oh, okay. well, it might be different places. I would agree with you that it, Christine's, a, like a lot of King's novels, is a big, it's a big novel. There's a, And there's different... Tangents and and sections like it covers a a solid year in the life of these high school students. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was it was cut down, and you said there there isn't really it's it's quite compact. Every scene builds on it, so I think that's a, a strength in the adaptation. The ending is different. Yeah, the relationship to me, I I just did not I did not buy it as much. Like one of the the big things is. That leads to the business at the end was a lot more about Christine versus Dennis mm-hmm. and, uh, and and Lee the uh, the, the girl uh, the girlfriend played by Alexander Paul and in the novel it's uh, more about Arnie Arnie sees that uh, this girlfriend like after that whole business where Christine nearly kills the girlfriend uh, then they obviously break up but. Arnie sees that his best friend is now with uh, his old girlfriend, and he feels betrayed. And it was through Arnie and Christine together that they try to they, they try to kill try to kill off Dennis and okay. Lee. In there, here was more of a plan to get Christine, and Arnie's in the background of that. Mm-hmm. Arnie was, I, I don't know, I, I I had took some issue with that. To me it's just it's it's a car that goes around killing people. It's not that scary. Okay. It's not that scary. Fair enough. I I found my imagination made it a lot more scary in this strange power that it mm-hmm. had over um, over Arnie. The whole business with, you mentioned the old man, terrific character actor in there mm-hmm. selling the car was the brother, but in the novel it's the actual guy who owned the car and there's this whole history with how much in the same way that Arnie got taken in and possessed by Christine yeah. this man's life had been completely ruined uh yeah, and he and was it's, a, it's alluded to you know in the movie uh but the brothers are a much more stable figure in the novel okay. so I feel like maybe I'm see I have to the read novel thing. think we're not separating the novel mm-hmm. from from the film as a film I think it's serviceable horror fans will like it uh I just, I'm just not sure I like it as much as other people do. And this is not completely, this was a John Carpenter, I think it was almost for hire type of a thing. He didn't, he wasn't involved with the the, the, the adaptation, the screenwriting. Certainly his touches are there. I, I like, it was invented for this, the opening sequence um, was, was quite well done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot to like. I feel like I'm in the Gran Torino territory where I'm I'm somewhat mixed. Mm-hmm. My thumb is still up. I still recommend it to certain people. Other others might not like it as much. If you're looking for capital H horror, I don't think this is capital H mm-hmm. horror
1: though. Uh, so many just subtle scenes, like when Christine explodes the uh, gas station. Yes. And then she pulls back into the garage, and she's still smoking. Like the yeah. car's been burnt, yeah. and it's just like, pup, 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 and then it yeah. slowly backs itself yeah. into the parking yeah. lot. That was a slow clap for me. Okay. It's an unnecessary detail, but I just, I thought it added so much. And I've, I really, really enjoyed how, again, I haven't read the novel, so I can't compare it to that, mm-hmm. but they kind of keep it vague where they're like, is it the car? Is it Arnie driving the car? Or Arnie driving the car? You know, I felt like even though the car would repair itself and there's definitely something like supernatural going on with the car, is it still Arnie behind the wheel? You know, in mm. in the majority of these scenes, you couldn't see if he was actually driving it or not. And then at the end, when he's uh, attacking his friend and his girlfriend, it's like he he was in the car, he and was. and so yeah. that you're kind of like oh, and you're almost disappointed that okay, it's kind of a combination like you know like maybe she still needed him to drive, but then there's that next layer where the car actually is possessed and driving itself and is still on his murderous rampage. So I really like that kind of false ending. And then you're like, okay, no, this is awesome. This actually is what's going on. This is 100 yeah. percent the car. Yeah. Uh, really like that. Who who did Kelly Preston play? I didn't notice till I just looked this up.
0: The Kelly Preston?
1: Yeah. Said she was in. Oh
0: yeah. Roseanne. Wasn't I quickly. I wasn't I, noting her. In, yeah, I quickly
1: IMDb'd this last night just for final, and I was yeah. like, oh, Kelly Preston was in it, and that I have a. I I had a small crush on Kelly Preston oh, back I, in the '90s, <laughs> but I didn't remember her. Yeah. This is neither here nor there. Yeah, but, uh she's kind of a,
0: a background character. She was but...
1: in the movie Spellbinder. I don't know if another low budget. Okay, yeah. And I swear that was like the blueprint for Get Out that everybody loved. It's mm. like the same... You go through the same ocean. so and when everybody was... Just is, everybody is, you know, was okay. loving on that. I was like, I saw this movie in the 90s like at 2 in the morning on the yeah, like, show. I'm sure, <laughs> was familiar with
0: that. It yeah. Was...
1: Anyway, neither here uh, nor there. Yeah. So, Christine a huge win for me okay, I'm not going to lie this was the highest rated movie out of the six okay interesting interesting
0: yep. I, I want to do a, just a quick shout out to late great Harry Dean Stanton mm-hmm. he comes in he plays uh, Detective Rudolph Jenkins who is suspecting that uh, Arnie is perhaps behind uh, some of these deaths uh, there's these bullies who destroy Christine yep. um, and, and they, they keep that mostly consistent it's done it's handled a little bit different, uh, for sure, than in uh, in the novel. Uh, again, there's Stephen King, two-dimensional bullies, mm-hmm. but one after another gets knocked off. And yep. it just looks like, OK, who had the motivation to do this? Well, it's Arnie. So he starts talking to him. I like that approach to that character. I always liked Harry Dean Stanton mm-hmm. in, in movies, and, and I'm going to miss seeing him in uh, in movies in the future there. So he worked with Car- Carpenter in a few films. I just watched Escape from New York the other okay. night. And it was an escape from New York. So uh again I think it's not my favorite John Carpenter, but it's still pretty solid. Not my favorite Stephen King adaptation, but there's much 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 worse. much worse <laughs> out there. That's fair. And so I'd recommend the novel and mild recommendation for Christine. Big recommendation though.
1: Big me. recommendation for me, but again Perfect. that's it has it checks all my boxes.
0: And I think you're Congratulate your dad. It's a really cool choice as a, as a yep. favorite movie. I'm always interested in what people's favorite movies are.
1: And the car itself is just cool. Oh, it's it, you know, yeah, I almost the design
0: wanted, of the car. It, it lived up to the vision <laughs> from the novel.
1: We have to rate these movies out of sixty, right? That's the thing. I al- sixty points. For, sixty yeah. points. I almost wanted to give this movie fifty-seven. Holy cow!
0: <laughs> but I didn't. Holy oh, cow! <laughs> wow. So you're an enormous fan. Huh?
1: I didn't, yeah. but I was like, that'd be funny. That'd be yeah. a funny bit. But, Interesting. But,
0: you've been following us you saw my car I saw your legs now look I ain't stalking y'all but I didn't say it wasn't a wolf
2: he's got charm is there anybody in this place you could vouch for to give me a ride home fair lady your chariot awaits he's got style do I frighten you is it my scar it's your car And he's got a set of wheels. Is it safe? Oh, it's better than safe. It's death proof. To die for. (laughs) Well,
0: Pam, which way are you going? Left or
2: right?
0: Right, right. Ah, that's too bad. Why? Well, because it was a 50-50 shot on whether you'd be going left or right. Since you're going the other way... I'm afraid you're going to have to start getting scared. Immediately.
1: From Quentin Tarantino, the director of Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, and Kill Bill, comes Death Proof.
0: This car
1: is 100% Death Proof. Only to get the benefit of it, honey, you really need to be sitting in my seat.
0: All right, so I am... uh I will see anything that Quentin Tarantino does. As you should. I am an enormous 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 fan of Quentin Tarantino and I was really excited in 2007 when this unique idea of this grindhouse movie, a 3-hour film done in the style of like these 1970s, you know, B movie theaters and they had all these fake trailers which turned into feature-length films later on, Machete and yep. uh, Hobo with a Shotgun and that kind of thing. And then we had two films, a double feature, one by Robert Rodriguez uh, called Planet Terror and then one by Quentin Tarantino called Death Proof. And using digital technology I guess, they have all of the bumps and grinds of uh, the grind house yep. uh, as far as missing reels and scratchy film and yep. all of that throughout. I I love Grindhouse. That'll be another day because I own Grindhouse, but I also have uh, this extended or feature-length version of Mm Death Proof that we're going to talk about here. When I saw Grindhouse, I've heard most people have the opposite view of what I have, but then I also kind of understand part of this. They feel like like Planet Terror was a true Grindhouse film. Death Proof is not as much a grindhouse film. In some ways, I almost feel like it was too well made. Yet, between the two, I, I want to revisit Death Proof more often. Mm-hmm. All of that said, this feature length, Death Proof, to me, doesn't hold up as well as the cut down. 100%. Uh,
1: how, however, however long the yeah. condensed
0: version yep. of Death Proof is. I think with Tarantino, what he was trying to do is a, an homage to Carr Films' Vanishing Point, the yep. original Gone in 60 Seconds, not the one with uh, Nicolas Cage. I'm an enormous fan of Death Proof, I'm an enormous fan of Quentin Tarantino, but there are problems with the extra bits in here, including kind of a, a stream sequence that was shot in black and white for some reason and then switches to colour. Which is a little bit more of an introduction to the second half. Some people have argued that uh, it's it's kind of two movies. We have the first half. The idea is Kurt Russell is this stunt driver mm-hmm. who targets groups of women and um, murders them in his in his stunt car. Yeah. Right. Uh, and there's some sort of sexual repression there mm-hmm. um, involved with with this in the first half. We're following these characters on a night out, this uh, radio personality in, in, in Texas, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they encounter um, Kurt Russell in this bar, I think he's kind of this weird loner, and then they eventually start like, drinking and having a good time with him, and then he goes about murdering them mm-hmm. using the car in a very brutal way. But it's very circumstantial, they can't... they they can't uh, claim that he murdered it looks like a car accident happened that kind of thing uh, and then we flash to uh, Tennessee where there's a bunch of people working on a movie a bunch of women and uh, and they, they're on their days off and they're you know they're going for this doing uh, a little bit of a road trip and they discover that there's this amazing car which was in this film mm-hmm. that they want to drive and try to con the owner into letting them drive and, and do some stunts and, and and that's kind of the second half there and some people said we don't need both halves i don't know the, to me the second half is much more interesting than the first half yep even though I, I have grown to appreciate some subtleties in the first half but tracy toms um who's not that well-known an actor she was the original cast of of rent uh, on Broadway. Uh, she's appeared in a few films. She is absolutely outstanding. In uh, here, I liked Rosario Dawson mm-hmm. being in the film. Um, Zoe Bell, who's a stunt woman who Tarantino is connected with, I think, through Kill Bill and has then, then featured her in acting roles in yeah. almost everything he's done since then. Uh, she's just a really charming presence mm-hmm. in the movie, too. Russell is solid. this was kind of like. Tarantino, what he tries to bring back people's careers. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Russell or uh, Kurt Russell's career was ever in jeopardy. In jeopardy, <laughs> it wasn't like Travolta's was. Yeah. in the early '90s. Type he of thing. But wanted
1: to make him a like badass again. The yeah. that was his thing.
0: And it's it's kind of interesting though. He he's a he's a, a badass, but he's very very flawed. And yeah. When, when he actually like the tables get turned in the second story he becomes very, very weak and whiny and complaining. So taken like snake (laughs) from, uh, escape from New York. And like this, Mm -hmm. again, we get back to John Carpenter. Like he was John Carpenter's guy, you know, for all of these movies where he was so tough and indestructible and to whittle him down and to make him a villain too. I don't think Kurt Russell had been cast as a villain very much in his career. Uh, I think they just gave him a new life. Yeah. Um, But
1: Tarantino can, again, you know, he can take risks or do whatever he wants.
0: Yeah. His dialogue is fascinating. Mm -hmm. I love that he allows his characters to talk.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, There's that one tracking scene where it just circles the tables and the ladies are talking that. I remember seeing that in the theater and I remember seeing it. I watched this one with my dad. This was the last movie I watched. We just Mm -hmm. watched it a couple weeks before Christmas and so I went over to the you know their place and we had some beers and watched Death Proof and it was a good time Yeah. and yeah that was the one scene that I remember sitting in the theater when I saw it and I was like oh man this is gold it's, like it's well directed yep.
0: well acted I mean they, they obviously knew their stuff mm-hmm. each of the actors in there and I just like that he has the patience now mm-hmm. I don't think Grindhouse films were patient though no so maybe a criticism it, it's not really a Grindhouse film yeah the, the car subgenre that's being celebrated mm-hmm. likely appeared in in the like, drive-ins and grindhouse cinemas, but I don't think it would have been approached in the way that Tarantino approaches it.
1: I think Tarantino needs to drop in a few scenes like that to show that he's still like at the top of his game and knows what yeah. he's doing. Cause he, he's if not going to make something if, that's... If he made a real low-budget looking grindhouse film, there's going to be that, you know... Part of the audience that is like, Oh, this is lazy, like nobody makes movies like this anymore, you know, kinda of, they kinda of miss the point. So I don't I don't discredit him for dropping a few just like over ambitious scenes just to kind of remind people that I am Quentin he's certain. still, yeah. He,
0: and he, he does have I mean, I, I like him a lot, but he does have an ego. I mm-hmm. mean wow. big yeah. time he he,
1: he know he knows
0: exactly who he is, he's prepared himself for a, for a legacy.
1: And that comes when you're untouchable.
0: Yeah. He, yeah, he, he is. People will follow his him wherever he, can ever get he away goes. With anything. Like I yeah. mentioned, Eastwood can get away with Warner, will always release his films, but Tarantino at a much younger age was able to get that kind of uh, power.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting between the two. Because so I feel like Quirin- uh, Tarantino can, you know, he can really go over the line and, and he'll have that freedom to do so. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like Eastwood, you know, like I said, he'll probably be under a lot more criticism if he tried to do the same stuff. Probably You know yeah. Like if Tarantino did Gran Torino He probably would have Like upped the He racism. would have been Criticized
0: for the The politically incorrect language Because in, After Jackie Brown mm-hmm. he used the N word a lot It was Samuel L. Jackson Usually using it Yeah A very prominent black actor But Spike Lee Went after Tarantino For using the N word mm-hmm. His films as liberally As, as he has um,
1: Did that hurt him at all?
0: I don't think it, I don't think it's hurt him. Yeah, you know, I, there's lots of criticisms directed at Tarantino. That's what happens when you're someone at the top. But at the same time, peop, you know, it's still going. It's not. He's not going to. If he pitches anything, he it'll be greenlit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're talking about him directing a Star Trek film.
1: That's. I awesome. mean, that's.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that's going to be, but uh, he he pretty much can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess it's it's one of the more experimental and lesser Tarantino films. I've had some people claim it's his worst film. I don't buy it. I, I, I just I just don't buy it because I just the dialogue and the writing is so strong. It's visually interesting. He's got a solid cast. It, you know, there aren't huge huge movie stars in there. Um, I think it's worth mentioning Rose McGowan's involvement in Grindhouse in both films she had more of a role in Planet Terror mm-hmm. uh unfortunately like this is the middle of the the Harvey Weinstein business and I think she was having an affair with Robert Ru- Rodriguez at the time and kind yeah, of the way her character gets treated uh in in Death Proof is is somewhat horrifying Yes, yeah. it's kind of this nice but lonely woman who ends up flirting with uh Russell's character and decides to kill her. Yeah, I think he had more of a thing for the the other the other women, Jungle Julia Mm. and 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 her friends there.
1: My favorite part was when he's like, "We going left or right?" And then she chose left. He's like, "Well, that's interesting because you had a fifty percent chance of not getting terrified right now if you chose the other way." And whatever, I can't remember the exact language, um, but it was.
0: And that's where Russell is able to play a note I don't think he's been able to play before. He becomes downright scary there.
1: But he's not like suddenly so evil. He's like I'm still having fun. It's just he's this still is I'm fun. having
0: fun, but oh yeah. this, this is gonna get uncomfortable yeah. oh, for, for sure. you right here, which to me is scarier than him mm-hmm. being really threatening throughout. What one problem with this extended version is we see him, we see him pretty early in the film. Mm -hmm. In Grindhouse, we don't see him until he's eating nachos at the bar. We see the car sometimes, but we don't actually see him. And much like when we're talking about uh, Duel and not seeing the villain in there, it is scarier if you delay that reveal. Definitely. But here, when he's trying to create a a much longer film version of this, I I don't think he has a choice but to show Russell earlier, but it, it just becomes less less of an event when mm-hmm. he when he appears yep. and when you see him he's not what you expect he's just kind of this this lonely loser of the bar and he's just older than the crowd in the bar so people are kind of subtly or not or unsubtly making fun of him mm-hmm. um, and he's not doing himself the, any the, favors
1: with eating the nachos like yeah, just so oh, so yeah, putting Tarantino just, uncomfortable yeah, right do we need those close-ups of him putting his fingers in his mouth but you know do that, of course. oh
0: for sure Uh and uh, just a cameo in there that uh, Eli Roth, uh, uh, a very well-known horror director, of the mm-hmm. Hostel series and yep. others, is in there. He's one of the guys, and they're trying to get trying to get alone with these women at the bar, and then and then him and his buddy notice uh, Russell, and then start like loudly making fun yeah. of him. And Russell's pretending like he's not hearing all this, but he hears all this, and it just adds into oh, it's going to be sweet when, yeah. I, when yeah. I can get. Mm-hmm. get them so I Me was too. really
1: excited really too. excited to watch this that's why I kept it for last and I was going to watch it with my dad and it was going to be a thing and it was and it was fun but it broke my heart a little bit I it wasn't I was so excited to resee it and it didn't quite hold up as it I remember fair, seeing it in the theater fair. and I know that's just because yeah. it was extended and it, it, it really hurt it but that being said it was still like I still really enjoyed it mm-hmm. it just yeah, you could tell it was stretched.
0: The feature length is is minor Tarantino. It's still worth watching. Yeah. Uh, particularly if you're a fan of Grindhouse. If you're only going to w- visit the story once, I would say invest the time in a three-hour Grindhouse film yeah. and watch it in that form more than mm-hmm. more than this one. <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling I would enjoy Kurt Russell in this, but it was the female performances that... Yeah. Stood out to me particularly Tracy Toms. I, she goes along. Uh, she does the driving while Zoe Bell does the stunt outside of this uh, this car, which just gets totally demolished yeah. after this uh, yeah. redneck uh, Tarantino redneck character uh, agrees to uh, to lend out the car for a test drive, mm-hmm. and cruelly they leave behind this actor dressed in a cheerleader outfit yeah. with this. Very rapey man. Yep. And there's
1: unfortunate resemblance
0: between that hick and Harvey Weinstein, which kind of distracted me in this last. Fair enough.
1: Yeah. It's see that part was you kind of reach that level where it's so forced, it's not you can't really take it so seriously. You know, that was kind of how I felt with the cheerleader character. This is uncomfortable, but it's not realistic. It's not
0: realistic. But no. yeah, a, I was just trying to think of the way you get the car, they have to find way yeah. to get the car. How else are they gonna yeah. do it?
1: So, yeah, and I was just trying to think of like you know today's day and age. And I know things have changed in the last 10 years, but 10 years really wasn't that far away. And no. you know, like okay, and of course, it ends in a lap dance, right? That's no, <laughs> you know, no, of course no, no. it does, yeah. Uh, but again, and in the
0: Grindhouse, the lap dance is cut out. Yeah, it's a missing reel, which I showed which, restraint in Grindhouse. I know that there's was no restraint in this.
1: That was the funniest part. Like, yeah. I love that because that it's was, such a, that was such a middle finger there's to the audience. You missing, know, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay.
0: So I, I'm an enormous fan of Grindhouse. A little bit of a fan, but not as big a fan of Death Proof by itself.
1: Okay.
2: Hold on a minute, don't you think we ought to talk? What about how I'm gonna run? Sure. About how you've managed to live as long as you have. I think you can drive. Well, we can drive. You can drive beyond the limits of the tires, the engine, the car, anything else. There's nothing I can't do with the race car.
1: I oh. shuffled these up when you put it on me to pick an order I literally shuffled the DVDs and yeah we'll definitely r- be ending r- on a world date off the of
0: Days of Thunder Days here of Thunder. Uh, which is was labeled and probably not inaccurately um, Top Gun on a racetrack and if you take a look at the, the movies uh, the consistency consistent piece is Tom Cruise of course there's a love interest I believe it was Kelly McGinnis and. uh in Top Gun, is replaced by Nicole Kidman, who would then be Cruise's wife for uh, about 10 years or so. Yeah. Um, and this was the start of, I think they had three movie collaborations together. They're 10 years after Days of Thunder was released. Uh, my favorite of their three, Eyes Wide Shut, was released, and then they were divorced shortly after that. It's, it Eyes Wide Shot is a trick, my friend. It, it is. It's, it's one of... My favorite movies, but other people—wow,
1: that really I, don't, I don't hear that much. That would be a different I, uh, conversation. I had me. no issues with it. Again, yeah. liking kind of offbeat, disturbing yeah. stuff. It, big it, fan. it
0: bothered and still bothers me quite a bit. That, good good that's on it. you. That's but it's way more interesting. Think, you have the complex of tastes, and I appreciate that. Good. I, it's good to hear. And then uh, there's a whole series of other characters replace Val Kil- Kilmer. As many people try to replace Val Kilmer over the years since yep. he used to be like the guy and uh, he's became quite difficult to work with with oh. Carrie Ells in this case um, playing uh, characters named Russ Wheeler this was uh, Jerry Bruckheimer but his producing partner who uh, named Don Simpson who's a uh, like as Hollywood as you can get these guys produced these action movies and Simpson tragically died of a cocaine overdose Mm. Uh, and then Bruckheimer kept going he got into television CSI that kind of thing Uh, but this was very much in their their wheelhouse in the in the late 80s to produce a movie like this Robert Towne started off writing uh, the screenplays for the Mission Impossible movies has had a a long relationship with Tom Cruise Mm -hmm. Cruise himself got a screen story credit for this Tom Cruise again is not really a writer yeah but this is, I think, one of the rare times where he was given credit as, as uh, part of the, the writing team for Days of Thunder. Well, I'm
1: glad that's the exception and not the rule.
0: So Tom Cruise is Cole, Cole Trickle, and he's recruited him off a
1: farm to be this great race car driver. <laughs> I'm laughing just thinking about this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I know, I'm sure there's like a lot of men our age that just like live and die by this movie. Oh, well, yeah, I, I think so. And I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, it's
0: loud, it's visual, it's, it's just I, entertaining for a certain group of people. Like, of I mentioned laughing. the people who are in this film. Honest to goodness. Okay, so I mentioned Cruz, who I'm more of an apologist than, you know, I, I he's... Sometimes he's god awful. Sometimes he's great. Other times he's just, just a middle of, Tom Cruise. A lot of averages. Like Nicole Kidman, uh, you might argue, is one of the great female mm-hmm. actors of all time. We didn't necessarily know this in 1989. Mm-hmm. She was uh, in Australian films and was brought to Hollywood, and I think she was kind of labeled as an like this attractive young woman, and wasn't given. Uh, her due until she does this great movie, which not a lot of people have seen called To Die For, and then it just built into quite an impressive, which continues to this day, quite an impressive uh, filmography. Her latest film, Bombshell, is um, uh, is well worth watching, too, and she's doing constant work on Big Little Lies on television. Uh, she's been in the theater, so Kidman's no slouch. Uh got in
1: that... Ghost movie back in the mid-2000s, too. Yes, yeah, the, other others. Stuff in, the others. Thank the others, thank yeah. you. Yeah, early two thousand. Great 2000.
0: movie. Um, and uh, you may have heard of this guy named Robert Duvall. Yeah. 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 His screen debut is in a movie I re- reviewed recently, To Kill a Mockingbird. And... He, he, he's solid, he can be sometimes a controversial, he once said something not very nice about uh, Canadian actors, and uh, Canadians took some exception to that, but he is money as yep. an actor, he's in this Randy Quaid, who was a great actor before yep. he lost his mind, we'll yep. know him as Cousin Eddie from Vacation Movies yeah. Curiel's, unfortunately Curiel's typecast himself as a villain a yep. lot of the time, but it was kind of nice in The Princess Bride that he got to play the hero in that movie um, I, I sometimes I, I don't mind seeing him. Michael Rooker, uh, who is a, a terrific character actor, is in here. John C. Riley. People are big fans of John C. Riley. It was funny in, in Talladega Nights, which is a bit of a, a parody of movies like this. Yeah. John C. Riley was was in there as pretty much the the a similar type of role to Tom Cruise's character. That's got to be rewarding
1: this. when you can get double work like that.
0: So uh there are a lot of actors in here to like and they all read this
1: they all read the script and said yeah
0: well (laughs) late 80s tom Cruise is yeah star vehicle there's money to it there's careers to be had i'm sure it was
1: a license to print money
0: it was a license to print money i think the movie did quite well maybe not as well as as top gun but it's funny like i watched the thing and i watched it late at night and it's a high energy film but after i watched it and I've, i've seen it a few times now, I. Can
1: What if I watch it here? What are we doing? I kind of
0: forget it. Yeah. You know, I forget what I watch. It's just uh, it's basically a melodrama. There's this unlikely romance. Nicole Kidman is this doctor who gets sexually harassed by Cruz several times, and then eventually gives into his charm and because that's how his, it works. Yeah, right. Comes his arm candy for the third act of the film. So many lessons to be learned oh. in this movie. It's directed by. The late Tony Scott, the brother of Ridley Scott, he, Tony Scott did more of the action movies. Very well-made action movies on the whole. Um, I'm not convinced this is his high watermark either. I, I just think anybody who criticizes Tom Cruise can go back to Days of Thunder and criticize this. But I don't think it's uninteresting. I've seen a lot worse. But it's just it feels like a copy of another movie. And I'm not a huge Top Gun fan either. But a copy of another more successful '80s action movie, and it, it, it's like um, a bad fast, field, fast food meal. That's I was actually what you I was going to say. It, it's it's like, you, like KFC. You <laughs> sort of semi enjoy it, and then you feel bad about twenty minutes later. You know,
1: I made a horrible mistake. <laughs> yeah. and you can't, you know, you can't knock these people because I mean, what. Cruise in the, in the 80s, you know, like you're coming off Top Gun and Cocktail. And Biggest movie star in the world. You put his name on something and it's going to make money. Everybody's mm-hmm. going to want to be involved. And yeah. I guess pre-Scientology, crazy Tom Cruise. So. You don't need a script, right? <laughs> no. That's the, no. Robert that's Town's massive. a terrific
0: writer. Robert Town, if I mentioned the screenplays he's written, he wrote Chinatown, which is one of the greatest movies of all time, for goodness sake. He is a great writer, but I I think this would have been again for he the money. You had to pay some bills real real quick. Oh, I had to pay some bills. So that's fair. We're, we're not really talking about this a lot, but like, I, it, what if anything you did you like about it?
1: Um, it seemed like a parody movie. You know, you could basically shoot it shot for it. shot now, and it would be like a you know scary movie. Yeah, it's it just is. everything's just so bravado, just the. Slow motion, like you know here's Tom Cruise coming on his bike and everything's ah macho, macho, macho. These guys could not get more macho. So many
0: movies copied this. But yeah, I can't even call this a pioneer because maybe Top Gun's a pioneer. I'm not sure which one is in there that created this formula for for movie making. And you get some amazing actors and these producers would would get some of the best actors of all time. Be in their films, and this is this is no exception. I, I would take this ensemble.
1: Oh yeah. Like, uh,
0: for for any movie project I have, you know, and
1: and maybe it's just because it's so you know it's been however many years, and it was a blueprint for so many other movies to build off of, but, like, you know exactly what's going to happen in the exact order, like, five minutes in. You know exactly who all these characters are, what roles they're going to play, you know... What's going to happen. The twists and turns, and then it's just... It's so deep. I think
0: that the best part of it, even though it is melodramatic and it's to create an obstacle in there, is the relationship with Michael Rooker, who is this experienced... A race car driver, but he's had this serious head injury, and yep. he, he's refusing to get this risky surgery. And but he's starting to develop dementia because yeah. because of it, and it, it just shows like a different side to Michael Rooker. But it takes so long, long to abilities. get there. <laughs> <laughs> but to me, that was a more interesting yep. film. Like if we were to look at a, a race car movie, which is about head injuries. Oh, and absolutely! Like a movie about the Michael Rooker character, and might that was- have been a better movie than
1: this. And to their credit, so, that's how they would do it today. I feel.
0: Yeah, I, possibly. You know, yeah. I I haven't seen this Ford versus Ferrari film. I, I've heard good things about it, uh, and I, I there was a, I forget the name of the one that Ron Howard directed a few years ago that got some some attention. These are all kind of real life racing stories. Uh, I'm not sure it's my favorite part of even in the subgenre of car films, racing movies, um, but. I think if you are just looking for a brainless action movie, you could do worse than this. <sighs> or maybe even if you just want something in the background and you put it on mute and, and just...
1: I don't even know if you would call it a brainless action movie because they try to inject some sort of, I don't know, lessons or narrative and then oh, you're just like, it's so forced.
0: Uh, it is, uh, it's so forced. I don't want to hear that, so bruh. I don't want
1: to... Right. You, I feel like you can't just turn your mind off and watch this because it keeps trying to turn your mind back on, and then it's just it gets worse and worse. That part takes. where the cops pull them over is one of the worst scenes I've ever seen in any movie ever. Oh,
0: the, the stripper
1: thing, or is it a stripper or is it a prostitute? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there because she, yeah, she yeah. molests them, yeah. and everybody's whooping and hollering as as you do. But then it's like, I don't know, they start making But then that notes. leads into,
0: like, <laughs> the supposed payoff is when, I know, the, I know. Is when we first see Nicole Kidman, and, and he thinks, he, thinks he doesn't take her seriously as a doctor, which is so sexist. I know, and, and he, he immediately gropes a, her. She's a, yeah, gropes her. And then by the end of the movie, they're a couple. I mean, yeah.
1: it's... Because, I mean, despite having broken ribs and probably, like, urinating blood from his accident, he thinks that, oh, they're up to it again, and they've hired the sexy nurse. And, and yeah,
0: then, uh, you know... <laughs> and this movie and Robert DeVall's trying to stop this from happening, and goes and apologizes for yeah. for his rapey behavior after... It's, it's not so... Not uh, treat
1: the women folk very well. No. And, and then, you can tell it's
0: a male-produced movie. Yeah. From start to finish, and it's like the the worst of that aspect of Hollywood.
1: Absolutely. Because yeah. he wins her over, right? Yeah. Despite, you know, Despite groping a, a doctor yeah. and, you know, and now I one of the like, highest professions you can get. And it's so like, I, don't uh,
0: think, I don't think Nicole Kidman would sign on to this project now, yeah. or if so, she would make some dramatic changes to it because she has that power. At that time, yeah. she just it's going to help my career to be in this big action movie and uh, yeah, we're done for yes. group,
1: So, but you know, the takeaway from that is despite the uh, discipline, the most important thing is that she's attractive. That comes everything right as a doctor. Oh, <laughs> it was just, I was uh, I was almost covering my eyes at that part.
0: Yeah. I, I just found it very uncomfortable.
1: And then she pushes And then the that. rest of
0: the plot, I was just kind of like, just, I, I just don't care. I was just really yeah. having trouble hearing it. Okay, a one more race. nice thing I can say about it is it's a Blu-ray copy, and it looks really good. Yeah. It sounds really good.
1: There's a wheelchair race? Come on. A wheelchair like, race? Like,
0: like, <laughs> like, believe it or not, um, and I, I had forgotten this. Uh, let's see where I can find it here. Um, this is an Academy Award winning film. <laughs> it won the Academy Award for Best Sound. Hmm. which makes sense because yeah. of the race car Yeah, yeah. but that's, that pretty much says everything about it there it's it's sound and noise and spectacle but it's Knocking knock on Heaven's Door
1: by Guns N' Roses was on the soundtrack and that's like the one bright spot for me there you go we found something nice to <laughs> that say was, about yeah, that. yeah. heck of a song Use Your Illusions 2 is a great album <laughs> that's, that's, I just, that's, it, that's that, that. <laughs> this movie makes me giggle it's yeah. just It's atrocious. Absolutely atrocious. Good enough, I think, on that front. Atrocious
0: is the word. thank you so much this has been fun and, i hope uh, i did okay I, I hope uh i hope we can convince you to do this again i would love to yeah no no I, I, I anytime really, you want to do low budget really TV relax and you know, know, enjoy
1: this disturbing content oh man yeah i would love to You're talk there. oh perfect yeah i've i've got that's a pretty deep rabbit holes of like disturbing cinema on that guy
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah well as of i actually i and another show I could have pitched to you, I I have to check to see if the guy I, I was supposed to do it with is still interested or not. If well, not, I'll, I'll send it to you. Yeah. What so. were the
1: six? Or can you not mention? Uh, I, I'll, I'll maybe off- You hold it off- cam- Off-camera, I'll right. mention it.
0: So. Uh, camera. Yeah. Or uh, off-whatever. Off, de- yeah. off Recording device. Off-recording device. Okay, uh, we'll start off with Drive. How many points are you giving Drive?
1: Again, I just want to make my my old joke. I really wanted to give Christine 57 points <laughs> out of 60, but I just couldn't do it. Uh, as I mentioned off the top, Drive was my biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to absolutely hate that movie. Yeah. I, I watched it last, but I gave Drive a 14. 14 points. 14 points? Ryan Gosling, man. Guy's got range.
0: He, he does a lot He's, more than people think. He's
1: handsome, but he can act. Yeah. Yeah. I've been talking
0: a lot about Brad Pitt in previous yep. uh, shows. Brad Pitt being a movie star who can actually act and go into dark places. Gosling has that. Yeah. When 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 he's really invested, so
1: that may have been my favorite performance out of all these movies was yeah. Brian Gosling. Yeah, it's drive.
0: It's terrific. And I just again a shout out to Albert Brooks, uh, yeah. who is a terrific antagonist in the film. Mm-hmm.
1: Duel. Duel I gave a seven, which I know was low, but you know I, I had to give i had to move some points around but okay. uh nothing wrong with it mm-hmm. it was it was solid but you know it's it over exceeded for the content
0: okay fair enough
1: gran torino gran torino I gave a solid five
0: Solid five okay. yeah
1: not not my cup of tea hasn't aged well I'm not sure if it was uh dropped into the dropped into the world okay. <laughs> relevant yeah. anyways but uh nah.
0: That's true. For a twenty first century film it it's probably it seems would, like the early seventies maybe. Yeah.
1: Lots of dated stuff in there. It seems like you could if you want to watch a movie that deals on like racism and stuff, you could probably do a lot better with very little effort mm-hmm. <laughs> to find a movie. That, oh for sure. That tells a better story.
0: Okay, so it's not fifty seven points for Christine, but how many mm-hmm. points did you award? I
1: gave Christine nineteen. 19 that was my points. favorite movie of uh, of the six yep. by Well, by five points, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I guess it seems that way. Death Proof. Where where are we at with that? Death
1: Proof, I gave 12. Which is a little higher, maybe, than I wanted to, but, uh, you know, the original shorter version I really, really liked, even if this one unnecessarily dragged it out and definitely had its flaws.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yep. Fair enough.
1: Which leaves... Days of Thunder. Got a three. Three points. (laughs) All right. I I laughed. That was three points just for cringy laughter. <laughs>
0: that, at least it's some entertainment. I mean, got did you ever watch
1: like Fromage on Much Music? No. Okay, Ed the Sock used to do this year ed show every like New Year's Day where he called Fromage and he would just like pick apart the most cringy, you know, not funny videos, but videos that weren't supposed to be funny. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I wish if he did it for movies that like he could probably just <laughs> do an hour Thunder. on Days of Thunder because that was the vibe I got. It's like yeah. this isn't supposed to be funny. But just the, like, inappropriate messaging and dated stereotypes Mm. that, like, aren't even really offensive. It's just, like, it's so over-the-top, like, toxic masculinity that it's almost funny. Like, you almost can't even take it serious.
0: Hopefully. Or else you just get really (laughs) angry. Uh, But in 1989, it makes more sense. Oh, absolutely. Than Gran Torino, you know, nearly 20 years after that. I I gave... I'm a big fan of Drive. Okay. It was was it's my, my favorite of the list okay. uh, I give it 17 so, so a grand total of 31 points drive uh, is I'm gonna guess direct. it's safe uh, probably it's going back I uh, do I dual was my second favorite 16 points Ooh. so just one point less there it it just bothers me and I, I'm left with questions and just doing so much with so little yep it's very impressive To me, again, maybe the most independent spirit of of the six movies here. So it is 23 points. I gave seven to Gran Torino. Mm. Uh, Again, I, I just cannot completely separate myself from... I think there's potentially a really good movie in here if somebody could have convinced Eastwood to sort of take things in a slightly different direction and maybe delve a little bit deeper into... Like what's actually happening in in communities that yeah, it's like that Back to the Future idea of uh, Hill Valley and uh, and when time gets altered, Hill Valley in nineteen fifty five versus the alternate nineteen eighty five, which is just violence and gangs yeah. and all that stuff.
1: Absolutely, and it,
0: a, a different type of examination of that, and still have that perspective of like the person who's lived there uh, his entire life. And doesn't want to leave, but yeah. doesn't understand what's going on around him. I still think there's potential there. So He
1: wanted to say something profound, but he just didn't.
0: I, I definitely don't like Christine as much as you do mm-hmm. and your dad, unfortunately, but <laughs> uh, I give it seven points. Wow. Uh, so it, it gets 26. Okay. Uh, year 19 helped it out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely a worthy entry in John Carpenter's canon. It is... Uh, I, I, I like the novel more. I was better. gonna I say developed. you came into this loving the novel and, I, and that. Perhaps is gonna if hurt. If I sit back, I'm gonna be, I'll be like kicking myself for being so biased. I should just judge the movie no nope. as
1: is. Influences if play I, a huge if
0: part If I'm of looking this. at being scared, I'm not sure I'm scared. I'm not sure I was as invested in the characters in the movie as I was in the novel, mm-hmm. and maybe it just it just clouded my uh, perspective. You got to add that in
1: though because I had huge hopes for Grant Torino. And that's why I gave it such a low so score. So you had
0: high expectations or were disappointed. And then
1: Christine, I had low expectations yeah. and was blown away. I think away. I had
0: high expectations for Christine just because of the caliber of people, mm. at least behind the camera, if nothing else. It's fair, man. And, and it's fine. You know, it's fine. Uh, Death Proof, I, I gave eight, uh, which is uh, pretty wow. low for a Quentin yeah. Tarantino film. But this version of it is just not as good as the Grindhouse yeah. version. Uh, but I, I still appreciate it. Um, and I gave five to Days of Thunder. Uh-oh. Um oh It's, it's a, a popcorn movie of the 80s. It's an artifact, but probably not the greatest of artifacts. But where we're at is Drive had the most points with 31. Then Christine, 26. Dual 23. Death Proof, 20. Uh, Gran Torino had 12. And with a measly eight points, Days of Thunder. So I'd, say now, that's
1: a, I'd say that's a generous eight points for Days of Thunder.
0: Perhaps, yeah and
1: we really ripped it apart so, so this comes to the exciting part so it's this easy. is the exciting
0: part so days of thunder is actually part of a collection so i had people questioning well are you going to bring up movies that are part of a collection this is a tom cruise blu-ray collection oh. um that it's part of uh, i i would like to hear what i should be doing with days of thunder because I have to get it out of my movie collection
1: now. Well, now it gets complicated because it's part of a larger collection. So what other movies are in this Tom Cruise Blu-ray collection? That you well,
0: read? as I mentioned, Minority Report is in okay. there. Uh, <clears throat> War of the Worlds, which will be a conversation for another day. I have to see take the, it out to see... The collector me, though,
1: that? makes me uncomfortable because what is the packaging? Is it just like a sleeve? I'll grab it. Is it a sleeve with like four or five independently removed uh, DVD or... Sorry, Blu-ray cases? Or is it like the high-end one piece with like pages in it? This is what, what it looks like here? here. Okay, I'll try to describe it. Okay, so it's one case.
0: Collateral is also... Uh, and it has... Okay, okay. Yeah. Also in there.
1: I would feel comfortable breaking this up. Okay. This is not some high-end collector's... You know, like you see those really beautiful box sets they release. Yeah. This is just basically a thick... Blue case that has yep. page turning hmm. slots. So, yeah. do not shed tears if there is one movie gone from this. Uh, what are your thoughts? I have an idea. What do you? What do, oh, you, what I mean, do you think?
0: It's, it's totally up to you.
1: Well, being it's totally up to you. Being about cars and the fact that you now owe me a coffee. I think we should get in your car and go through a Tim Hortons drive-through mm-hmm. and give it to, give the, it the, to dr- the, the give it to the give it to the person working the window and say, find someone. Who wants to see a very subpar movie on Blu-ray. Happy New Year. Okay, let's do it. All right. Let's do Thank it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this you. Was-
0: I, uh, I appreciate this, and uh, we will hear from you again. I hope so. So for of the shelf-shedding movie show, I want to thank Curtis again, especially for that creative way of getting rid of Days of Thunder for my movie collection. It seemed like uh, the person at the Tim Hortons drive through that we just went through uh, appreciated receiving this Blu-ray and said she's going to watch it, so uh, more power to her. Again, it's starting to get creative and a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to uh, recording the next episode. Uh, Just a reminder, if you have some feedback, uh, please send the feedback to shelfsheddingmovieshow at gmail.com, and uh, check out the Facebook uh, page I have, the Shelf Shedding Movie Show, and uh, stay tuned as I get a website up. Uh, I also want to recommend that you listen to my friend Larry Parsons' podcast, Rank and Review. He reviews six genre films every week, and he then ranks them with a guest it is well worth your time if you are a movie geek and a movie fan as i am until next time keep enjoying
2: the movies